And I, I just think it's a broken quality. I don't know. It's like that might happen in martial arts because maybe they didn't fully evolve yet. They're still a little broken inside. They just, I don't fucking know. It To me, it just never made sense. I'm like, how are we all, we're all fucked. This one dude over here, although he's got his own issues, he's still helping us and like trying to make us our best versions. And now you're going to just compete with him directly. It just doesn't make sense to me. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode. I am super pumped about this episode. I tried to do my homework and I did. And once I started to do my homework on the person we're going to have on this uh, podcast today, I got super excited. Passions that I have as well. So I don't know where this is going to go. But today we've got my friend Carlos Redlick with a skill set of copywriting, the king of copywriting. I'm going to go ahead and lay it out, but I'm going to kind of do a different intro today because I think it's important sometimes to know a little history about somebody. And this right here was pretty interesting. I don't know if anybody knows, but in the early 1900s, his grandfather, William Brohan, came from Cashel, Ireland, and he came into New York. He fought in the military, worked hard, boxed harder, and was a prize fighter who just made me feel awesome as a grandson and you felt you could kick ass and you went into martial arts what up carlos how you doing whoa you just gave me the chills i did not expect that at all wow you gave me the chills that's so sick man because you know what you you actually shared something interesting with me i knew all of that stuff except the fact that he was a boxer i didn't know he was a boxer dude you just you just uh you shine that makes me feel real cool because of the martial art background and everything uh this is sick this is sick. What a great intro. Best intro I've had ever because I just learned something about my family. Well, you Can't said it that. in your own words, man. Box. Did I say I, that? I don't even remember yes, he did. was a box. You know what happened boxed then? It's harder and was a you said boxed harder and prize and it was a prize fighter. You know what? It's because my dad, when did you see that? It must have been years ago. Well, when this I was back in that. 2015. Yes, that had to be 2000. Man, you I love how you do this research. Now I'm remembering shit because my dad, it's like his family his side of the family uh he because i remember i went through this phase where i was starting i'm still kind of going through it i knew a lot about my mom's side of the family because it's really well documented it's like we have a couple presidents of bolivia on her side of the family generals of bolivia it's like it's super well documented but i didn't know much about my dad's side and uh i remember he he was trying to tell me all of these things. And I'm like, you mean I have generals on my mom's side? And I got this boxing guy who came and did this and whatever on the other side. And he was in the military. And I'm like, it just made me feel cool. So that's probably why I posted it. But I forgot about it since then because it's 2015. You, mm-hmm. uh, Dude, this is so cool. It made me feel like I just learned something new all over again. I love this. Well, it was cool to see it because this. I'm going to give you one more. I've actually been to Cashel. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Um, I think when you talk about Ireland, I say I roam the land. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I, been, man. I've always wanted to go. I've been I've twice. Never been. I've been twice. Wow. Did you fight yeah. there? No. No. They only fight in the bars. They only fight in the bars. That's no, right. Fight. That's right. <laughs> Actually, if you want to have a good time, uh, you should look up, I don't know, the talk, talk shit boxers or whatever. But... Um, you should you should uh you should look up when they talk they talk about when they promote the fighters and what they'll just like, like 
All right, Mickey, I know that over there, your family's over there. Your mother's a bitch. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to come and fuck you up. And when I come down there, I'm going to come down there. And I know your mother. And once I come down, your father was a punk. And when we fight, I'm going to beat your ass. And dude, it's the best, man. And they're these just kind of street guys. And they'll promote themselves before. But the way that they talk about the, the preparation of the fight, they're like, dude, it's great. It's fantastic. But man, so I'm, funny. I'm pumped about this. We got so much to kind of unravel. But uh, we've got AI coming up. We've got ChatGPT. We've got copyright and everything like that. But, you know, I, I kind of want to jump a little bit into um, we had talked in a, kind of the, the green room of Zooms. And, um, you know, there's a transition that I noticed that we had in common. And, and that was that uh, you had studied Jeet Kune Do. And that uh, is a little background of you. And martial arts was a foundation. And there was a transition that you were doing martial arts. And then you started kind of writing copy. And one of the things that uh, you do did during the time, it started kind of following it through about 12, 13, 2013 or so. What was kind of going on during those time periods where you went from a physical side to actually writing? And I think that that's interesting for people to hear. Yeah. So it's actually, you'll probably like this because it, it ties back into martial art. So I, uh, I was training in martial art under my instructor, Sifu Dwight Woods and Kundo, Kali, Muay Thai, uh, and it was all under one roof, and we had a couple different instructors who would help out. And I did that since I was from about 12 to, I don't know, I'd say, well, I did it from 12 to like 28, but like from 12 to about 20 or so, let's say, um, I was a pure student. I was just training. And then around 20 years old, uh, I was asked to help out because I was like good, and I was, I was able to help and shit. So it was volunteer work, basically. I was just I was just training people for free, and I was teaching them. But I was really bad at teaching. I was I was much better at the punching and the kicking than I was at like the communicating and trying to teach people stuff. And so we tried all. See, I tried all types of different things to try and help me become a better teacher. Because he's like, "How are you able to learn all this stuff super quickly, implement it quickly?" I was a natural with this stuff. But for some reason, when I opened my mouth, it's like I couldn't describe how to throw a punch or a kick. I would just grunt basically like a caveman. I'd be like, uh, do this, do this after, and then do that, right? And I couldn't really communicate it. So we started losing students because I, I was a horrible teacher. And uh, and Dwight was like, uh, we can't keep doing this stuff, right? So let's have you practice speaking with people at the front desk. So when people, new people come in, you know, you you get their paperwork, you get them to sign up for, you know, a meeting to speak with Steve Dwight. He talks to them about joining the class. So I was kind of like a salesperson then, right? Yeah. And then just welcome all the people who come into the school. And so I started doing that, but I, I again, was terrible. I started drenching and I was like drenched in sweat. My hands would shake. I would freeze up like I'm like... M&M and eight mile or something. I would just, and nothing would come out. Nothing would, yeah. it was the worst thing ever. And people would come in, these like little hundred pound ladies would come in and say, hi, you know, do you guys have kickboxing class? And I would be drenched in sweat, scared of this hundred pound woman. Cause she asked me something to do with business. And I just didn't know how to sell. And so Dwight, again, see Dwight was like, this is, this is getting ridiculous. How are you able to spar and train with all these big, sweaty, ugly guys? And then when like, a nice hundred pound lady comes in, you freak out and just, you can't even talk to her about something you're good at. And I was like, yeah, maybe it's only because she's a woman. She's like, no, you're doing this with guys, with women, with kids, with everybody. Mm. Long story short or shorter is uh, we tried a bunch of sales training methods. A lot of stuff wasn't really clicking with me. I didn't like it. I didn't jive with it. And then he kind of, in my opinion, was kind of like a last ditch resort. He was a successful martial arts school owner. And so he had studied marketing, copywriting. He was a big Dan Kennedy student. He was like mm -hmm. in all their 
big masterminds and, and yeah. whatever, like diamond encrusted mastermind groups and shit, like yeah. it's high level stuff with them. So he knew everything or, or, or with, with this type of stuff. And uh, he was like, let's try this copywriting thing because it's essentially salesmanship in print. That's, that's what it's been. That's what everyone talks about. So if you can learn how to communicate on paper, maybe it'll like teach you how to communicate in real life too because a lot of the best copywriters talk copy they don't even try to write copy they're just talking and the way they talk is persuasive and it's natural and that's what his experience was from being around a bunch of really high level copywriters in the dank candy world and um and so i started practicing copywriting based on courses that he basically just spoon fed me i mean he had like thousand dollar dan kennedy courses and all gary halbert court he bought a five thousand dollar gary bensavanga thing and i got access to everything for free as as like his apprentice instructor so i've always given him credit for that because it, it was a life changer yeah. and uh so i used copywriting initially not because i wanted to become a copywriter i didn't care about sales or marketing or anything i did it as a way to it was like a personal development tool is really what it was it was a way to develop myself so i could communicate with people and not stutter every second word or something ridiculous and it was just a new way of getting my thoughts out because that was part of the problem i had all these thoughts i kind of knew at the end of the day what i wanted to transfer in regards to my message but that that missing piece was the thing that carries the message, the words. And I just didn't have the words. I didn't like reading. So I don't really like reading. I love audiobooks. But it's a, I wasn't a big reader, wasn't a big writer. So I missed that whole part of communicating. I was just terrible at it. So copywriting became a way for me to just get better in my own personal development. But as time went on, I really started to fall in love with the art of copywriting because that's what it kind of became to me. It was no longer, it, I related a lot with martial art because the martial art, you have the martial part where you're punching and kicking, but then a lot of people forget about the art aspect and there's a lot of cool stuff with the art. And, um, and I saw that with copywriting, there was history, there was like lineage, right? There's people who came from the Dan Kennedy line and Dan Kennedy gave uh, or Gary Halbert gave Dan Kennedy his first copywriting project. And my instructor learned from Dan Kennedy, which means he kind of stems from that. So I looked at it like a lineage thing, like a martial artist. And that's what started kind of getting me hooked because I'm like, we can persuade people to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And as I was getting better, Sifu Dwight would blast out my emails or he would invest in a direct mail campaign based on, based on copy that I wrote. So he was actually practicing the stuff that I was putting together and most of it did not work. But the, some of the things that when they did work, I was like, whoa, like, this isn't just nonsense. Like, someone actually did something because I wrote them a letter, sent it to them, or Sifu sent it to them, and, and they came in and reactivated. It was a reactivation campaign. I remember the, the big one that kind of took off for, for us was a reactivation campaign. We just, I don't know, it was like maybe 80 or 100 people that we just blasted that he, were on his list because he had been around for 10 or 15 years up to this point or you know whenever we were doing this so he had a big database of past customers and clients or students i should say and uh, so we did a reactivation campaign i don't remember how many people came in but let's say five it wasn't anything dramatic but five people let's say came in and when i saw them coming in and they held the letter in their hand because at the end of the letter it said if you bring this letter in you'll get a free week to you know to try out the classes again make sure it's a good thing for you or whatever so they would bring the letter in and i'm like whoa that's a call to action i told them to bring this yeah. in to get their free week it's like a coupon and they act i'm like seeing them coming in while i'm at the front desk trembling trying to talk to people these people are coming in based on the copy i wrote and signing up for a free week and eventually signing up to to come back to class and so that's 
a lot of it was like these little mini wins kept stacking up. And Sifu was a great instructor for martial art, but also for like life and business because he he kind of nurtured that. He was like, yeah, you're you're getting good at this copy stuff. Let's go. If you can pay for your plane ticket, I'll pay for your way to go to the system, the last system seminar by Ken McCarthy, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember, but it was whatever. It was like in New Jersey or New York. I think it was in New Jersey, but they advertised it was in New York, but whatever. And uh, and I went there. I met a bunch of other like marketers of the time. I forget their names now, but they were like the gurus of the time. And I was blown away by hearing these guys talk about all the money they were making with copywriting and sending people to a funnel and a website and all this cool stuff. This is like 10, 15 years ago. This is a while ago, right? So it's like this stuff was blowing my mind. And then I remember we were, I'm kind of getting, I'm not getting sidetracked, but I'm just kind of going through the we full thing. can sidetrack thing. all you want. I totally, th- I think it's all right. And the time period you're talking about, um, I think is is the guys like Frank Kern was, was doing. Um, right. Frank Kern was just blowing up. He was a Dane Kennedy student that was starting to blow up. Yep. And then that was even, uh, I've I've had Jason Moffat on, which was, he was a good friend of his, uh, a copywriter as well. And um, I think that, I think you're right. That was during that time, probably 2009, 2008. Right around it's all the current top yeah. dogs now like ryan dice frank kern mm-hmm. all those guys yeah. it's like when they were it was when the dating it was like everybody was launching the dating. evan pagans evan pagans, dating yeah. yeah 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 double your dating he was also known as david d'angelo yeah it was the big right? million dollar day you're right it was like they did yeah dollar day and it was yeah like, so okay so, yeah. so that was like the time where all these records were getting broken and and i'm like seeing this stuff and i'm like at first i was seeing it through videos and internet like everyone else does. But then something crazy happened. I started uh, at that system seminar. This is actually, uh, now that I'm talking about it out loud, I think this was probably a huge pivotal point in my life where I kind of, I believed the stuff. Because I, I up until this point, I was like, I kind of believe copywriting works because I saw it work to a degree in the martial arts school. But like these people talk about $100,000 a day in my mind. I was like, get the fuck out of here with your $100,000 a day. It gets bullshit. I just didn't believe it. I was a very skeptical kid in some ways. It, it, and, I mean, it's, uh, it's, you see, you're like, yeah, I've seen the, uh, I've seen the ad in there. Send me one dollar, and then I'll send it yeah. to everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so bad. It's so, I think my my uh, Tiffany, my fiance, actually gave me like a shirt that says "Go fuck yourself." It's terrible because I'll never wear it in public. But it's it's been like a thing. It's like it's like my gut. It's like the first thing that comes out when I don't believe. Yeah. I'm like, go fuck yourself. That's not. Well, fuck I think that here. that comes from, and I think that anybody <laughs> that's ever done marketing or fighting, and I tell people, I'm sorry, marketing. Anybody's done a martial arts or fighting or boxing or any of those things is they're very naked sports meaning you kind of can't bullshit you know if you're going to actually get in and you're going to say look we're going to put hands on each other and i can use these um if i if i can use these rules to put my hands on you it'd be wrestling it'd be boxing it'd be just whatever that is muay thai whatever it is there comes a moment where there's really no bullshit and now all of a sudden we're looking and facing each other going can i actually use what i'm doing and then if you can then you create the confidence so yeah I, i see what you're saying that's that's true. I think uh, that's interesting. That does. I now that you mentioned that, I think a lot of my old martial art friends that like, like I gr- I call it grinding. Like we grinded together for decades, like just training next yeah. to each other. And shit. It's like I think they have the same kind of personality. Maybe that's why because we're we're friends. I don't know, but yeah. they have the same like like get the f out of here, man. Yeah. You know, like, I get a lot of that too. Know. It's just that doesn't seem right. It doesn't sound right because yeah, it's something about it. But you know, we we say it like a gut so anyway I, 
not that it, I don't actually don't know if it's a good thing because like I've lost business like that in the past where I'm like, oh, fuck yourself. That's not right. And people think like <laughs> I'm literally telling you to go fuck yourself. I'm not saying go fuck yourself. I'm like, I don't believe you. But my gut reaction, yeah. like that's how it comes out, even the, though I'm the not. Head, the head's got to tilt back like, fuck off. Yeah, they're like not used to it. And I do it to this day. Like I'll go to a seminar and stuff. And I did it with when with Tiffany. She was with me and somebody was saying some stuff. I'm like, go fuck yourself. That's not true. And I'm saying it like this, smiling and laughing. Go fuck yourself. That's not right. And they were just like taken aback. Like I've never had an adult tell me to go well, fuck myself. Well, that's when myself. you need that elbow that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's when he should have elbowed my ass in the face. But but anyway, so um, so what I was getting to though is I didn't believe a lot of this stuff, right? That was going on. And so when I went to that seminar after the event was over, at least for one of the days, I think it was like the first, second day, whatever it was, this was a system seminar in New Jersey. We, uh, it got like, there was a ridiculous, what's it called? A monsoon. It was like a ridiculous mm -hmm. monsoon or something that was going on. And so it's like, it was very difficult to leave the hotel and uh, we were basically shut in. If you like didn't leave at a, like right after the event ended, you were probably going to get get stuck in that hotel for another few hours. So I was one of those that got stuck in there for another few hours. I didn't. I was literally walking around outside the hotel, or not outside, but in the hotel, just walking around. And I'm like, whatever, twenty years old, twenty one years old, or something at the time. And uh, I found I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go sit back in the conference room. And so I went back into the room where the seminar was being held, and all the speakers were hanging out together, just masterminding with their fucking laptops and uh my buddy daryl i think was a daryl urbanski we're still good friends to this day he lives in thailand now um he had a martial arts school back in the day too anyways uh he was there i was there i think we were the only two like total rookies there and then he had this guy alex goad i believe his name was uh who was like crushing it i don't know if he still is but he was crushing it at the time at least and like two or three other people and uh I uh, I was blown away because I was looking at their computer screens and seeing the million dollar numbers. And I'm like, this is not Photoshop. This is like right here. I can literally see it right here because they're yeah. just masterminding about their own businesses among speakers. This was nothing. This is not a presentation, but I was just caught in the rain. Like, hey, you guys mind if I just hang out here and just kick it with you guys? I think the you make a really good point <clears throat> and just kind of interject for one second. Yeah, you make yeah. a good point that sometimes... It's important. I think there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of stuff out there, and we see a lot of marketing. We do a lot of things, and a lot of people go and try things. But there really is that value. Um, kind of pull back, and during that time, like Frank Kern, would always be he'd always be like, "Pay uh, pay this money, and you could you could watch over my shoulder and see mm -hmm. what I'm doing." He would use that in his copy all the time, and I think that uh -huh. it there's something that happens in your brain that when you actually see it for real and you go, okay, that's real. Then you go, if a human can do it, then why can't I do it? And then at that right. moment you go, wait a minute, this just wasn't what the masses sometimes thinks of, oh, that's just a scam or, you know, that's never going to work. And then once you see it, you see the fruit and you mm. go, wait a minute, I could be a farmer. So yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying there. It's well, it was uh, it was definitely a good experience, but I got to say I was the I was probably the person there that didn't look like they were going to make any anything out of themselves, really, because I was super shy. Um, yeah. I was really shy in general. But when I got around those people, it was my first time being around like what I thought were millionaires. And, I, and they definitely were at least a handful of them. Well, you so just like, shared. I mean, through your story right now, you, you were shy through the process. of. I was the cell. whole time. Yeah. Yeah, the so, whole I mean, time it was probably wasn't about... something out of your ecosystem. You it were was, like, no. you're like, oh, here I am again. I thought I was going to be feeling better. Shit, no, yeah, I'm back again. 
<laughs> so so yeah. it, it was a really good lesson for me because my buddy Daryl, I remember being je- uh, jealous of him. I don't know if I ever told him this, but it would be good for Darryl, him to. He's Daryl Vance. You should like this man. Shout it, out, Daryl. Props. So I remember Daryl was the. Uh, he, he was like the annoying one, but the good one, the smart one. He was the only one in the entire seminar asking questions like nonstop, as he should, since he invested to go to this seminar, yeah. right, with all these gurus. Everyone else was like kind of nervous to ask questions. Daryl had his hand up every fucking second, it seemed like, always asking questions. Okay, and what about this? Okay, well, since no one else is asking, let me continue asking my questions. And it was just, it was like a Daryl show. And uh, at the end, it was me and him. And so this was like during the seminar. And then when the monsoon kind of hit, we were, it was like all of those speakers. And then it was me and Daryl were the only ones, the other, like nobodies, I should say, that were in this little circle of people. And we were hanging out, but I was hanging out with them. And I, the only thing that came out of my mouth is like, Hey, you guys mind if I hang out here till the monsoon ends? They said, yes. And after that, my mouth shut the fuck up. I looked at their screens. I was like, oh my God, these guys are richer than God. Like in my opinion, I was like, I've never seen this. This is amazing. But Daryl was the only one continuously asking questions. He wasn't intimidated at all. He was like, hey, I got a martial arts school. How can I do what you guys are doing with this to like blow up the school? He just didn't stop. And he just kept asking, even during this stuff, I was like hesitant and nervous. I'm like, I'm not paying for these guys' time. I'm kind of encroaching on, he didn't care. He just kept on going. And what, what, uh, I, at first I was like, he's pissing these guys off probably. And it was a great lesson for me because they, one of the guys, I think it was Alex Goat, which is probably why I remember his name, who's kind of like the, he seemed like the leader of that little crew, at least while we were sitting down, he was like to Daryl, he pointed, he's like, man, you got the fire, dude. You're going to make it. You got that fire in you. You don't stop. You got that fire. He said it like three times to him. And I'm like, oh, fuck, please say it about me. Please say it about me. Please say it about me. Because I'm like dying for this uh, attention or, or, or validation or whatever. Yeah, sure. And uh, and I didn't get it, obviously, because I wasn't yeah. trying. I wasn't talking. I was just shut oh, up. But he just kept like going. And uh, when I saw that, I was like, I got to stop caring if I'm the annoying guy and, and be like this guy, Daryl, because he's just doesn't give a fuck. He's do he's here, whether you like him or not, he's gonna get what he needs. And I'm like, I need to be more like Daryl. And so that was actually kind of the the spark of the idea that I need to stop really caring about stuff, like other people's opinions, and stop seeking validation. It wasn't like an overnight thing, but it was like it sparked that idea. I'm like, man, I didn't know you could act like this. Like, I didn't know that was possible. Oh, and like, he showed like, me you feel you like, could. like he he gave you permission. He gave me permission. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it because I saw him do it and I saw the reaction I wanted to get that he got from these guys. Yeah. And I'm like, they're saying he's got the fire because he doesn't he doesn't stop. He's going after it. I'm out here timid and worried. If I'm timid and worried, how can I ever make something of myself? Because I'm always going to face rejection and all this other stuff. Like I have to be able to work through it. So seeing Daryl go get that kind of praise was like, Ah, that's what rich people like. That's how they behave. They don't stop. That's why they see it in him. They see themselves in him, not themselves in someone who's not. Because they realize the fire they have to go through to actually get to the other side and how much bullshit you go through, how many people say things about you, how terrible you are on the way up, you know, the feeling that you have of wanting to quit and just all that stuff. I think that there's a, there's a mutual respect that comes out of that. And when you put yourself in that position, other people are like, this guy's going to go through the, the 5,000 people they are going to tell him to fuck off and go do it, go do it. And then he comes out and then you shine. I think that's interesting. Yeah. What, what do you think if, if you look back and 
during that time period, I think that it's great because we talk about in business, we talk about tran transformations, right? And I think that um, during that, what was that kind of next move that you saw? Maybe it was in copy, maybe it was in, um, you know, I decided to email my list every single day. What was the next turning point? Was it a, was it a long form sales page? What, what was it right. that went, okay, this is, this is now the, I always kind of say like, you know, until you can kind of feel the grip, you know, like mm. most of the time it's like many times it's like you have a business or whatever. And then it's like, you can't really grip it. It's like slippery because everything's all over the place until you can kind right. of grip, grip traffic. You then have a page that'll go and then you can kind of just grip it and rip it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. But basically like that idea, right? Where it's like, now I actually you play have poker? control. I, uh, uh, not really. That's a I like phrase that a lot of people use in poker when they go oh, all dude. in and they're not sure if they got the best hand. They're like, fuck it, grip and rip, baby. But so they, rip it all in like and they the best hand. But they, yeah, like they feel like, you know what? I have enough grip where yeah. I'm going to, I have control a little bit. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm interested to kind of hear because I think that people run into that quite often. What was that moment that you're like, oh, okay, I have some control of the throttle. Yeah. So, so from that event, I was still really young. I, I don't know, like 20, 21 years old. I didn't start my martial arts school until I was 25 years old, I think. Yeah. So there was like a four or five year period in between. But what it did is I also met. So like the second day after that, uh, I think it was, a, if it was a three day event, then it was, a, I think it was a two day event. It doesn't matter. Cause this was so long ago, but the yeah. following day, whenever it was, um, I, uh, I went back to the event obviously, and everything was cool. And I, I kind of felt like, I don't know, since I had that epiphany, like I got to just start asking questions and shit. Like I, I, I don't know. I forced myself that this day I was going to at least try and talk to people. And so I did, I just started forcing myself to network with people at the event, um, and uh and it was interesting because one of the the questions i was getting asked is like oh so what do you do and i'm like i do nothing because i work for my martial art instructor who paid for me to be here basically yeah i just paid for my plane ticket but he paid for me to be here so you basically were leonardo, tell, you're in leonardo caprio of titanic you're like I, you know i don't know but i'm here with you fine people <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> I so i uh, i i said well i uh I write copy for my martial art instructor there. So I was becoming known as like the copywriter in this room. It wasn't necessarily intent. It was intentional, but not really. Cause I, I didn't have the confidence to be like, I'm a copywriter. I didn't have, cause I was like, I'm still in learning mode. I've never had a client other than Sifu Dwight. And I don't even think about clients. I'm only working with Sifu Dwight. So as, as, uh, as, in the room of all these martial artists, why they're out there sweating. Like I, I, I'm the guy, I'm the copy guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this wasn't even a martial art thing. These were uh, all internet marketing guys and then maybe a couple of, you know, business martial art people. But yeah, it, yeah. It was, this was an internet marketing event called the System Seminar. And it was the last System Seminar by Ken McCarthy. I'm pretty sure this is his name. I feel bad if it isn't, but I'm almost positive it is because he's like a really cool dude. But um, he uh, so anyway, so that so that following day, I started talking to more people. That was kind of my little epiphany. And I was becoming known as the copywriter because that's kind of how I was introducing myself. I was like, I write copy for my martial art instructor, Sifu Dwight. Yeah. He's over there. I was point to him. And uh, um, everyone knew Sifu Dwight. I think, honestly, you know, I personally and I think he would agree. It's because he was the only really tall black guy with long dreads in a room of like 99 percent white guys. So he kind of stood out. Hell yeah, yeah. it one. was like, like him and Lloyd book. Irvin were the only two black guys in any of these marketing rooms. Yeah. So at the time, they were it's like hard to miss them. So I'm like, oh, I'm with Seafood Dwight. I'm like, oh, Seafood Dwight. And it would naturally like make people want to talk to me because I was like borrowing his credibility almost. Mm -hmm. So 
what one of the things that happened though that made me start taking this more seriously is when I was like, yeah, and I've studied uh, some stuff that he gives me from like Dan Kennedy and this stuff, and then one other copywriter who was there, I don't know who he is, but I, I forget his name, but he uh, gave me his business card when he was like, oh, so like, what are some of the other courses you've kind of started taking and studying? I was like, well, I just uh, went through Gary Bensavenga's course. He's like, the five thousand dollar course. I was like, yeah. He's like, we should connect. He must have thought I bought it because I didn't correct him. And in my mind, I didn't even think about it. But yeah. he was like, we got to connect, man, if you got that course. Because anyone who's investing $5,000 for a course is something he probably wanted to connect with, right? Probably yeah. sell me some shit. So he connected. He gave me his business card. I forget who he is now. But he was there. He was a cool dude. But that was that was kind of when I started taking copy more seriously because I met other people other than Sifu Dwight who are praising copywriting, I saw proof of how sending people to a funnel or a page that had good copy was converting people. Like I saw the million dollar actual account. Like I saw, here's the million dollars in revenue from this guy. And he wasn't showing off. He was just in his account. And I'm like peeking over. I'm like, holy crap, that's legit. That's insane. So when I got back from that event, I took copywriting more seriously. And I didn't necessarily start anything of my own during this time. It was more like I wanted to help blow up the current martial arts school. I was like, how can I do more? So I tried creating. Um, I created. It just didn't really do much because I was a young, early on marketer. But I started. I created like a student body organization for the martial arts school. We got people to jump in and be like a vice president and a president. We would organize like cookouts. And so it kind of worked to a degree. Well, and the cool uh, thing is, I think that in that, like the lesson is like, if, if you're not going to do it yourself, grab a vehicle that's already moving and then yeah. yourself. And I'm sure that, you know, they were just, I mean, you were just using the skill that you're trying to get better at. So they're just getting the benefit from it while you're yeah. learning and apprenticing. If we want to use it as like that. Oh, yeah. You 100%. had a vehicle to be able to do it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Sifu Dwight gave me a bunch of leeway and, and credit to him for investing in like, like the postage stamps and shit. Because like I, a lot of the stuff back then, there was no Facebook ads or Instagram ads. And if there were, it was like maybe just starting. I, I don't know. It wasn't anything popular just yet. So he was still doing a lot of direct mail. Like yeah. that was a big way of how he did business. And he got a lot of good results results from it because he started with dan kennedy and did all the dan kennedy stuff yeah. so he would invest in like postage to do my reactivation campaign and, and to do different things and he was telling me we should only mail people that had like he was teaching me stuff like he was my martial art instructor but he became my like marketing mentor he wasn't I wouldn't say his superpower is copywriting but he understood what good copy was enough to teach me a little bit wow. more it, you know yeah. his He's a good marketing brain and he can do all of this stuff, but he's not a copywriter. And he would admit that he himself. was giving you fundamentals, but, of but he was giving me fundamentals because I'm like, just mail the whole list. We have 10,000 people. He's like, yeah, or we can mail the people who maybe left within the last 90 days because they're they just they're, they're a little bit fresher. Maybe we can reactivate them and and spend the money on these guys and then maybe like flip that money on, on trying to get the others. So he was teaching me like the economics of marketing yeah. a little bit more. Um, so that's, that really is kind of my whole education up to like about 25 years old was from like 19, 20 years old to 25 was just trying to market 
his martial arts school and learning all the different ways of doing that. We discovered that video marketing at the time when YouTube was kind of blowing up at this point and it was just coming out. It was uh, video marketing was doing really well for us. And so I figured out a hack at the time. I don't know if it's still a hack now, probably isn't. But I would uh, shoot videos, every all of his videos. I would take like one minute clips on what well, wasn't a phone. It was a flip. It was a flip camera or something yeah uh uh so we it was an old school camcorder and i would video one minute clips of these uh let's say we'd get like 20 clips in a day i would upload all of those 20 videos on youtube as like miami martial arts classes miami moves keywords you know for like seo yep. but then i figured out there's a little hack you can do i can basically spam the heck out of youtube for these keywords because what they didn't want is you to re-upload the same video that wasn't allowed mm -hmm. it's still not allowed but on a pc at the time i don't this has been so long my like hack was i would uh I would highlight all the 20 videos I had just opened. I would I would go into my you know file manager on my computer, highlight all of them, click on I think it was properties or details or something, and I would change the dis like the details of the file. And by just typing in gibberish, I would just click anything because it just needed a new file name or something. And then I would re-upload those 20. And so what ended up happening is it would accept all 20 because although it was the same video, it was a different like file name. So we were uploading a hundred videos a day. They, they weren't able to. Fall. They weren't able to. No, dude, I was uploading a hundred videos a day, all the same thing called Miami Muay Thai, Miami Jeet Kune Do, Miami whatever martial arts, you know. And and maybe even now they're still up there. I'm I'm kind of tempted to kind of look real quick. Uh, Miami Jeet Kune. Sorry, I mean it's got to be they kind of Jeet Kune That's Do. That's hilarious. Schools. Miami Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, look at, I mean, if you go on there now, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He, he's owning the entire front page, basically. And this is like so many years later, right? Years later, yeah. So so that was that was kind of like, it was cool stuff. Like I, I cut my teeth and like, like doing this type of shit here with him and he invested yeah. in the marketing. He trusted me enough to like try different things. And uh, eventually I started my own martial arts school when I was about 25 years old. My buddy yeah. Vit and I moved to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we wanted to move far, far enough from Miami, which is like 300 miles from Miami, because we didn't, uh, it's like an honor thing. We, I didn't want to open up literally right next door to my instructor. And now yeah, we're competitive versus friends. And, that, and you know what, if you're, when you talk about these, old, we had talked about earlier that, you know, um, my original black belt um, came from a guy named um, Del Campbell, but his instructor was uh, Junri, which goes back to a lot of um, that same. He, he was Korean Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. And then you obviously uh, with Jeet Kune Do and you've got uh, Mr. Bruce Lee over here. But during those times, I think um, that was a lot of honor of, of martial arts schools. And there was a lot of that fundamental stuff. Uh, that people don't realize how weird it was. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was well, there's Sifu had a, a an issue, man. I don't know what, what, like, why I and my friend Vit were the only ones to, like, understand it's disrespectful to do that stuff. Maybe it's because I trained with him since I was, like, 12 and he was, like, a father figure. I don't know. Yeah. But by the time I was 25, I was like, how can I now stab him in the back and open up three doors down? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, especially after everything he's just fucking done for, for me sure. and invest in my training, my course, like everything. It's all comes from him. So it'd be crazy to do that. And it literally pretty much every instructor that came out of his school that ended up starting a school, like opened up within 20 minutes from his location. And uh -huh. he, he would just always say, he's like, I just, he, I don't get it. Like, it's not like he was threatened by them because he was still, 
the best with marketing. He was like kind of the, yeah. the main guy everyone knew still, but he just didn't get that. Like he didn't understand. And I was like, I'll never do that shit. Yeah. And so it was a big thing. We moved 300 miles away. And I'm so proud of that because it's like, dude, we could have opened up right next door, but we moved 300. I changed my entire life out of respect to not do that. Um, so we I did that. That goes a long way. I, I think that that, I think that mutual respect and um, when somebody teaches you something, there's some honor in that. I think that uh, I, I oftentimes think about when somebody's going to teach me something, I try to really think about if they're spending their time with me because especially come from a martial arts background, it's, it's really, a, it's a, um, yeah, you might pay your dues and everything like that, but it's really their life life's work. And they're basically saying, I'm going to give this to you. And there's a lot of that in martial arts, a lot of free gifts of, of information. And there's a lot of pride in giving that away because you know what it took for you to become what you would consider like a master. And then when you see the student that actually works hard enough and gets to that certain place, and then you finally get them to a place where they're kind of your equal. And then you finally mm. look at them and you say, you know, we now are one. And then that person mm -hmm. betrays you. I think that's a very that's a difficult thing for somebody, you know, hundred percent like your son betraying you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I don't really have that like quality in me. I never understood it. It almost sets me now thinking about types of, I never got it. I don't have sympathy for people like that. I hope all of their schools fail and burn down. But <laughs> well, I'll the, tell you, uh, the sad thing is yeah. I was, I was in Japan <laughs> and I was, I did an entire samurai, um, uh, uh, what we did it was for my birthday my best friend and i we did a, a samurai study through japan and as you go through japan and you start to look at the regimes and things in, in japan and, and the shogun and the samurai and all those things and the kings and the government and all of uh i it's like 98 percent of all of the um um the governments the kings and all those things they're killed by their brothers they're killed by their family members mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Most of them are taken wow. internally. They're not taken over uh, by another, you know, uh, you know, uh, war or something like that. They're taken over by the internal people. So it's, 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 it comes probably down to jealousy. Yeah. I think I've tried actually analyzing it myself. I don't really know what the real reason is. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I know I came to martial arts as a broken person and out of martial arts as a whole person and I think martial arts attracts a lot of broken people because that's yeah, for sure. usually what it does. You're either bullied or something happened. It usually attracts broken people. And Working so it does in general. Even, even oh, going yeah. to the gym attracts a lot of broken people. A lot of you get a heartbreak, yeah. as a, especially as a man. What's it's the true. very first thing? Like someone, oh, you got your heart broken. What do they say? Oh, get to the gym. Get to the gym. <laughs> and then and then yeah. about like two, three months later, they're just in there you know, lift the peak perform. Yeah. Peak shape. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, and that's fine because that's what one of the reasons martial art is so good is because it's, it can help heal a lot of things and help create that fullness and, and plug that hole or whatever you want to say. So yeah. it's like, I understand the benefit of it. Like I benefited from it. I was broken. I'm probably still a little broken, but much better off now than before. Um, but that's, I've tried thinking about like, why would someone do that to some, to like their instructor that they supposedly have love for that did all this stuff for them. And if you're an instructor level, you've probably been with your instructor for like a decade at least, right? So you've been there with them for a long time. And I, I just think it's a broken quality. I don't know. It's like that might happen in martial arts because maybe they didn't fully evolve yet. They're still a little broken inside. They just, I don't fucking know it to me. It just never made sense. I'm like, how are we all, we're all fucked. This one dude over here, although he's got his own issues, he's still helping us. 
and like trying to make us our best versions. And now you're going to just compete with him directly. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go too much on a tangent with that one, but it's, it is, it's, it's just like a hot point. For, I don't get it. It's, yeah. it just doesn't, it's like as if a marsh. So let's say I have a copywriting mentorship group, right? So let's yeah. say I have a copywriting student in there that wants to start a mentorship. God bless them. I don't have any issues with it, but at least do me a favor and like joint venture with me or do yeah. it. So like you kind of, we do it together in a way uh you know don't just jump into the program for one year get some results and now literally start another program that's a copycat of what i'm doing i've only had that once happen and it didn't last for them very long it, you know whatever but i think but, as a student you assume i, I think if you're going to if you're coaching someone, you assume they're going to, they're going to get to the level. I mean, that's what you're teaching them the shit. Right. So you assume they're going to get to that level. And I think that uh, the idea of them, I think if you look at it in battle, right? Like I'm preparing you for battle. I'm preparing you for battle. I'm preparing you for battle. And then all of a sudden they get to that level of strength, skill. And then you look at them and you say, all right, now I have two people that right. go to battle. And then all of a sudden you're like, why are you just going over there now? And then exactly like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And unity is very important. I think that people miss uh, collaborations. Um, I think I just saw something in the new. Oh, actually, I think it was Gary V. I know I see so much stuff with Gary V and <laughs> things that are important, interesting. But it was a collaboration of Nike and Tiffany Co. or something like that. And those wow. two may be looking at doing some collaboration or something. And I think that this conversation goes into you are better together uh, then you are separated and you go further than, um, you know, uh, further together. There's, there's a story about, uh, the cow that runs away, or I'm sorry, it's, there's, that's a different story. I think I know um, which one you're talking about. Yeah, that's that one, but it's, it's the bull or, um, yeah, it's the, the two thing. bulls at the top looking yeah, at all the, the ones, pulling, cows no, at the bottom. pulling. Well, there's that um, one. No, that's, let's go down and screw them all. That one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go down and get that girl. No, let's calm down and go fuck them all. Get them all. <laughs> let's go get them all. No, but the other one was like, you know, I think it's the uh, the average amount of weight that a bulk pull. Um, if you put one, two, and three together, it's like one bulk a pull, like let's say a thousand pounds. And I'm butchering this. Somebody in the comment. Sure. But basically the, the next one is like, oh, if they put two bulls together and then they pull them. And then if they put three bulls, it's like, it's like 80,000 pounds. So it jumps from like, you know, 5,000 pounds that they could pull to just one more bull will go to like 80,000 pounds. So wow. I think that the lesson that we're talking about is that we really are better together. We're a stronger force together. We could do more together. And I think you see this. You see this quite often, actually, because you see, uh, you see, like Richard, um, Richard, or Richard, Russell Brunson connecting with um, with um, Anthony Robbins, and they're coming together. Mm -hmm. or Dean Graciosis, they came together and they created a course together. They unite. Yep. Uh, there you go. If you watch the Braveheart, here's one for you. Unite the clans. Unite That's the right. Clans. <laughs> so I think <laughs> the great is, dude. That line is so good. He's sitting there, <laughs> and he's like, "Unite the clans." I, think I have I have a friend of mine all the time. We always do that. I send him the United Clans. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's a great lesson um, to people that can understand that if you do learn something, that the other person's probably not intimidated. They probably assume 
that you're going to want to do things together. When you when you did that, I think that the next thing that I kind of opened up was um, you'd actually wrote a book. You decided to release a book. Yeah, yeah. What, what, so what brought that about? What was what was kind of the idea of writing a book? Well, I I've written a f- uh, a few books. A lot. I just put one together. Um, if you just type in my name, Carlos Redlick on Amazon, you you can check them out. But they're all like copywriting. I was talking about was the, the copywriting playbook, how to make yep. people buy your shit, even if you suck yeah. at selling. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you my my. Uh, it's funny. Every book I've done, I've only have three. Those well, four if you include the one with Sifu Dwight, but I don't include that one. Is really mine. It's more him. But it's uh, they're all sales pages. That's really what it is. It's a long form sales page camouflaged as a book. So for example, that one right there is when I was just starting my career as an actual like gun for hire copywriter where someone can hire me and I write their copy and that's the deal. And so if you look at it, the first half of the book is like how to stuff, teaching stuff, lessons, etc. Second half of the book is all of my samples at that time so like some email copywriting samples some sales page samples vsl samples because what i wanted is these people and i think at the end of the book somewhere if i did my job right i'm pretty sure i put like my email address or something there because what i wanted is for people to go through that book read a little bit of it check out the samples and then say man i wish i could hire this guy oh look i can let me email him and so that book became uh just a long form sales page base or sales thing to to get me clients and then I did the same thing with another book of mine where it was basically the same type. It was like lessons in business and stuff. And I would get both of these books and I was sending them out to potential companies. So um, like one of them, one of the companies was the Agora companies and they have a bunch of different branches. I actually don't remember which branches I sent them to, but I would send like five or 10 books at a time to some of these people. And uh, one of the copywriters at uh, at one of these Agora branches, again, I forget which one, I want to say it was like maybe in Florida, maybe like Palm Beach Research. I can't remember though. Um, but whatever, it, it was like in their Agora library or something. I, I've never been there. So maybe it's like a lunchroom and they got books. I have no idea, but but it's, they had my book in there. And so he told me, he's like, dude, that's sick. I'm like, isn't that cool? Like the like huge freaking publishing company and who hires all the world's best copywriters as my book in their in their library that's pretty good positioning so uh so i've written copy for them nothing that's been like a wild crazy success but i was able to earn them as clients uh did a little bit of work with them happy uh so that was like whoa this kind of stuff works I recently wrote a book called 20 Marketing and Copywriting Tips All Business Owners Need to Know. And that book is, again, another long form sales. You can, this is my this is like my way I sell stuff. So I camouflage my content and or my sales pitch as content that people can consume and that people yeah. want to consume. So there's a lot of people that like books and a lot of the people that buy from me for my higher ticket stuff read books or at least like to buy them and look at them in their like bookshelf. And so... I wrote this book on AI and copywriting stuff and whatever. And actually the the entire book, the way I wrote it is I took all of my thoughts every single day in the morning. Like, let's say I wake up in the morning, I have some thoughts on copywriting, on marketing, whatever inspired me. I would dump it into chat GPT, which if you haven't used, people should go well, check it out. That was the down. transition that and I was then, actually, I was looking forward to making the transition. Oh, you're going, well, there we go. It's perfect. It's going, so, but this is how I came up with that. Yeah. This came up with the book. So I put all of my thoughts, all of like 
what I was thinking, all the good strategies, tactics, etc. And I would just put them all, just jumble it together, throw it into this, uh, into chat GPT, which would rewrite, which is like an AI platform, essentially, that you can use to uh, write, copy, do a bunch of really cool stuff. But I used it for, in this case, to help write a book. And so every morning, I would throw a bunch of stuff in there, like my ideas for the day, like, I would say something you know, what are the, uh, you know, what are the top 10 ways to get more people to click, uh, you know, click your link in an email? Okay. Uh, I like the, you know, this, they gave me 10 ways and I'll say, well, I agree with one, two, and three expand on that. And then I would add my stuff. Anyways, what I was doing is I was using chat GPT to write my uh, book. So one step at a time. So the first step was like, let's just write a post. So all of these tips are broken down into tip one, all the way to tip 20. And each tip is essentially a Facebook post or email that I put out onto my Facebook page. And they're all value-based. They're all really good content, teaching stuff, all that's good. And so at the end of 20 days or something like that, I had a book basically of all of these tips that I've been posting, all pure content. And now all I needed was my little intro part to my sales letter, my book. And that, is, I don't have it here, it's downstairs. But what it is, is it says, who am I and why should you care? Right? So I need to build the credibility. Yeah. I talk about how I've written copy for your favorite gurus and even a few that you hate. I've written million dollar promotions. I've done this, I've done that. So now there's like some credibility. And then that's the beginning part. I sell them on my credibility. The middle part is tips one through 20, pure content, helpful, helpful, helpful stuff. And then the last part is I come clean, basically. I say this book was essentially written with my ideas, my strategies, all this stuff, but written by chat GPT. And uh, I go into a essentially uh, how to, how I'm using it and stuff. And then I say, now, if you want to learn more on how to do this, go to this website, bestcopywritingstuff.com. And they go to the website, they enter their info and they check out the course. And so that's, that's actually how I use this book. And then I also give the book away for free yeah. in a bonus section in the course. Yeah. But the book is designed to be a lead magnet that I can either sell, which I am selling on Amazon because I self-published on there. But I also ordered a bunch of copies. So now when I go and speak at events, I just pass that book out to people. And now I'm able to get more uh, sales for that course. If if we make that transition, because we're talking about AI, we're talking about those things. Uh, I kind of been telling people, I was like, I think the whole AI, I think it's multiplied. Um, but you look at Canva, you look at uh, Photoshop, you look at all those things when people were just creating vector files and they were then moving them over. And I think that um, when Photoshop came out, everybody, every designer thought that they would be gone. And uh, they thought, you know, somebody would just sit down and be able to do it. I think we just talk a couple of minutes about what your thoughts are on the people that are panicked because yeah. AI is going to come around. I mean, my good friend, yeah. he owns a Harley Davidson dealer. And, you know, he called me the other day and we were chatting and he's like, uh, he's like, man, I'm on my, on my Mac right now. And he's, uh, he had to fix something. And I was like, he's like, I was just thinking about getting on this chat GBT thing. And I'm like, wow, that was the fastest that, you know, huh. I'd ever seen him from a Harley Davidson dealer. 
from back in the day when I used to actually work for Harley. And I remember when the internet and all that kind of stuff, and I would, I was kind of the guy in the back going, how do I sell stuff online? And mm-hmm. at that time they were like, well, just, you know, keep, keep your phones down. And I was actually building stores and selling, actually I was in the fight stuff, I was selling fight stuff. And back then um, it was like, put that away. And now I'm seeing the adoption so fast and I'm watching these people. So yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that adoption? Yeah. So I think for copywriters specifically, I 100% think that most of them are going to go out of business because I think a lot of copywriters in in the past recent years, I should say, it's funny, like years ago, before I even got into copywriting in the direct mail days, as I call them. So like the Eugene Schwartz, even John Carlton, all the guys who had to like thrived on crushing direct mail, space ads, all that stuff. I think they were better copywriters than and a lot of people are today because their copy like had to work or else basically like you're oh, investing yeah. 10 grand in a space ad it's got to work right you you can't just i spent 100 bucks on a facebook ad to test it out and it doesn't work anymore so I'll i can add just... to that like yeah. this is uh th- this is interesting if you go and look at music i play guitar and if you look at when people they lay tracks nowadays and if you were to see when they go right now, they'll lay a track, they'll go in and then they'll kind of perfect it. And then they'll kind of lay the track and kind of perfect it and go from mm-hmm. there. And then they'll lay over the track. Go from, but if you go back to like Beatles or you go back to Jimi Hendrix, they laid the, they laid the entire rhythm. Like they had to be wow. so good at the rhythm yeah. that they had to lay that whole track that had to be yeah. a perfect tempo. And I think that connecting that same analogy is that you're right. The copywriters back then were really masters of, of, of copy compared to having the tools that we have now of even moving stuff. I mean, grammar yeah. really help you out a little bit. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think we're kind of going through that stage again, almost where we had these uh, like really good copywriters because the one who the ones who weren't good just weren't going to survive essentially like who's going to keep yeah. hiring you if you're not working and, and it's not working they're not going to keep dropping 10 grand at a time plus yeah. your fee right because the media costs is, is a lot back then but then we went through this phase where it's very easy to test so it kind of allowed the ability to have a mediocre copywriter uh like still produce results because they can they can kind of just keep on rewriting the thing with small tests so like for example i mentioned facebook ads if like you write a facebook ad and you're spending, you know, 20 bucks a day on it for for seven days, that's 140 bucks, like you can know after seven days, if that ad is kind of like, going to be good or not going to be good, just based on that small sample, right, you can still kind of make some decisions on that, improve your copy, and now go back and rewrite something that might be a little bit better based on that. But back in the day, from my understanding, like you didn't really have that. And you would get your results back after like three months or six months of testing. And then it's like, I hope it worked after three months or six months because it was just, there's a longer period to test when you can kind of, like I said, you can get away with not being so great right out of the gate nowadays, or, you know, I don't know about nowadays, but, you know, over the past few years, because you could, you just had the ability to test. But now with this AI stuff, the reason I think a lot of copywriters will be replaced is because there's no need for a mediocre copywriter anymore. Any business owner can be the average copywriter at this point with chat GPT. If you want to have a grand slam, super high level written promo, you can use ChatGPT, but it probably won't be the finalized version to create that. You know, Which would final... maybe be your hook, or it may be your headline, or it may be you know, the original. Yeah, well, I'll, 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff ChatGPT can help with, with yeah. actually all of those things you mentioned. It's just kind of piecing it all together. And that's where yeah. I think the the copywriters who are, like, very good Masters. at their craft and also uh, very good at understanding the marketing strategy of how everything works, I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to thrive because now it's like they just have a junior copywriter working for them for free, which is chat GPT. And they can still be the marketing, you know, chief marketing officer of whatever company getting paid a bunch of money because they're kind of the guru handling all of this software and all of this stuff to make sure it comes out well. But if you're just trying to write like, you know, I'll write some basic emails for you for yeah. this amount of money and you're more of an order taker copywriter versus here's the full plan we should do with those emails, you're going to be replaced because there's no real need for you. Or like you could literally be replaced by like a, like a, anyone in any other country because well, one of the things that we were able to write do and they can clean it up through some of the short form reels. One of the things that I was able to do just even now is that, you know, in the, in the speeding up the process is that I was able to take my videographer and, you know, videographer, ever, everybody is doing all the editing and everything like that and empower him to be able to take summaries and then use yeah. ChatGPT, then be able to put some small summaries in there and then empowers that person to actually get closer to the finish line. And so mm -hmm. with that, they're able to go, oh, okay, I can take this video. I can take a short. Then after I take that short, I can actually finish it, edit it, put in the captions and do all that. And then I can export it, give myself a summary. And then that person can put the content in there compared to having to wait for somebody to get the content. And now I know it's probably pretty good. They could actually right. kind of approve it, play with a little bit if they have you know half a brain and they're smart at that point. And then they could even go directly over to YouTube, go over to uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. And then that person can even be in their part of their job prescription is being able to, a person that's going to be editing this video is the person that does this. But, but ultimately they can submit it <laughs> shout out to yeah. you alex shout out to you but ultimately they could get to the finish line and that right there speeds our process up by literally hours day you know it speeds it because you're not waiting for another person so i know yeah 100 percent. i mean one of the things that i'm i like i recently did is i inserted like the the sections of a webinar i didn't paste a full webinar into chat gpt because it was too long so i was like all right let's i broke it up into sections and some key points yeah. and so it was like an outline of a webinar pasted that inside of chat gpt and said create a, uh, a multiple choice quiz based on this webinar and to create a step-by-step -step quiz that we can use as a handout for the webinar um it, it was yeah it was huge because like that really saves hours of time it really does um it, there's a lot of stuff we create a, a two-hour podcast outline create with based for a client of mine that uh is doing stuff in an interesting like parenting type legal niche it's very weird but he's like it's gonna be two hours i just i just need a an outline because i can riff on it i can talk no no problem i just I don't want to get too sidetracked. And I was like, well, let's get an outline together. So we inserted like a, a nice paragraph really to chat GPT explaining exactly what his podcast was about, who he was, who his audience was, what the topics were we wanted to kind of talk about a little bit. Um, it was like a real paragraph. It was probably like four or five sentences of description. It wasn't just like, write me an outline yeah. for a, 
for a whatever. It was like a yeah. full, because the more you give chat GPT, the more it can give you back that's more accurate, right? Yeah. So we laid it out and it, it we laid out a nice paragraph describing what we needed and it instantly created a two hour outline for a webinar. Actually before that, it, I said, create a, a list of topics based on this overall theme. And it created like 10 podcast episodes with those topics, like topic one, topic two, all the way to topic 10. And then I said, okay, create a two hour outline for a podcast for topic one. And it created a two hour outline for that saying, okay, 10 minutes you're going to spend on this, 10 minutes on this, five minutes on this, 20 minutes on this, bring on a guest for this, all this stuff. Then I said, create a worksheet that uh, people can follow along with based on this outline, just like what we do for a webinar. And it created the worksheet, uh, like a fill in the blank deal. And so now my client was like, we did this all in two minutes. We timed it. It was under two minutes. Um, and we did all of this. He's like, how this would have taken me like a week. He's like freaking out. I say, like, how this is amazing. What a crazy tool. And so now he loves my course, the, the AI copywriting secrets course, because I show all of this cool stuff. And so it saved him at least a week's worth of time, but also for the future now, he's got a tool that he can use that he doesn't have to worry about creating outlines. He's already got 10 episodes and a, an outline for each one of them that was done instantly Dude, for him. That's unbelievable. Insane. Empowered people with AI. Dude, I think we could probably do this for another five-hour episode <laughs> the topics we can talk about. But dude, I, I want to thank you for being a, um, a uh, guest on the show. And um, this has been absolutely amazing, man. How, how do people find you? I mean, this is this has been really cool, man. Hopefully, we, let's do another one for sure. Yeah, I would love to, man. I would love yeah, to. So if yeah. anyone wants to learn more about my AI copywriting secrets course and how to harness chat GPT in your marketing, uh, just go to bestcopywritingstuff.com. Best copywritingstuff.com. If you don't know how to spell copywriting, it's C-O-P-Y. W-R-I-T-I-N-G, copywriting. So bestcopywritingstuff.com. You can check it out. Your the shirt. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Copywriters, even on my shirt. You can't you can't miss it. But yeah, that's the best place to, to go link up with me. Um, check out the training. It's really good. If for some reason it's 97 bucks. So if you don't like it, I give you all your money back. It even comes with a one-year money back guarantee. So you can Use it, abuse it, take advantage of it. And if you haven't made at least 100x the freaking $97 investment, I'll give you all your money back. No questions asked. So bestcopywritingstuff.com. Thanks for being a guest, man. I'm super pumped. This was another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. Carlos, you've been amazing. For everybody out there, make sure that you like and subscribe to this episode. And other people that are bit, that have been on this uh, podcast, make sure you go back to the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved page. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Spotify. There's some amazing guests just like Carlos here. Thanks a lot, man. That ends our episode. Appreciate you, brother. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.